Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Watched a Thing. You got Billy. And also, I'm here. That's right. And your name is? Topher. You've got to introduce yourself, mate. We might have new listeners. Hello, anyone new. <laughs> Good to have you. It's great to have you if you're new. Thanks for joining us. Anyone not new? We're happy you're here too. We're really happy you're here. We love our listeners. Thanks. In fact, last week we dedicated entirely to our listeners. We had a mailbag episode. Have you checked the mailbag at all this week? I haven't. Okay. Got an email to read for you, mate. It's from a Patreon of ours. Dear We Watched a Thing, Nay Bears on Film. As a Patreon, I believe that you should both visit me periodically in my home. Also, I believe that Topher should contribute more because it's plain that Billy is carrying the show. Step up, Topher. How do you respond to that, mate? Well... I can tell you that that Patreon is one of my best friends. <laughs> yeah. So and even he is aware that you do dick all. So I'll deal with him off air. On you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use my Patreon privilege. Please watch and review Modern Times Forever, Stora and So Building Hensiki. I believe that I know the specific ratings each of you will give and why. I want to know if I'm correct. Do you know much about that movie? No. It is the second longest movie ever made that runs 10 days long. <laughs> We're not going to do that, are we? I mean, we love our listeners, we love our patrons, but- I'll do it, but it's going to have to be while he is housing us, as per <laughs> his request. Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what, though. The trailer for that film is 72 minutes long. <laughs> Maybe we should watch and review the trailer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How would you feel about that? <laughs> Who made this thing? It's, it's an art piece. It was projected on the side of a building, I believe, and I think it, like- I, I spent a fair time Googling because I'm like, well, you know, I'd like to honour the request. <laughs> I thought maybe I could just skip through, watch an hour here, an hour there. <laughs> I think it just shows the building decaying, like what would happen to it I in 10,000 years. I don't think if you do an hour here or an hour there, you're going to get the full experience. You think I have to do the full 10 days? Yeah. You'll also you can't do the full sleep. 10 days? <laughs> no sleep. So, well, again, my dear friend there, Patreon, he's going to have to supply us with- Housing, yes. food, a viewing thing, and probably a lot of speed. Yeah, and also a copy of the movie. I couldn't even find it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about this week. What are we talking about this week? Talking about Steve McQueen's new film, Widows. That's right. The Queen himself. You say that as if you know him or have ever seen one of his <laughs> movies before. <laughs> yes, I did reveal to you earlier in the week that I, I have not seen any of his- I mean, he's only made a handful. This is only his fourth feature. Yeah. And I have not seen any of the others. Um, but I know you're a big fan. Yeah. My chiropractor's name is McQueen, so I feel, you know, pretty in the know on this topic. <laughs> okay. And I did watch Widows. <laughs> <That's>, so- <laughs> okay, we've got that. And you also watched Widows. Check. Did you watch anything else this week? Um, yeah. Did some drinking on the weekend and put on Terminator 2. Great movie. <laughs> that was fun. I, uh, I took the kid to the Grinch yesterday. It was good fun. I was I was glad that it was good. I was hoping it would be because it's directed by Scott Mosier, who was Kevin Smith's producing partner, and this is his first directorial debut. And I, I was didn't like, know that. I, I hope it's good, and it was. It was a good. It was fun. It was funny. I'm yeah. glad they made it animated. I was like, whenever whenever they do a Doctor Seuss film not animated, I'm oh. just like, that seems a very odd decision. Yeah, I mean, my kid is at age she's four now, so we're watching a lot of kids' movies, and uh, we did the other day check out Cat in the Hat, and it is a train wreck. That is such a Bad movie. Can't say I've seen that one. Oh, I'll, don't even. I'm happy just, skipping it. Just, just don't even. Just don't even think that it exists. Happy skipping it. Yeah. <laughs> but Widows, as we said, is directed by Steve McQueen and from a screenplay by McQueen and Gillian Flynn, who has given us 
Gone Girl. She wrote the book and did the script. Yes. And she's the one who I was talking about who was attached to write Strangers on a Train remake. Uh, it's based on the 1983 British series of the same name. And the film features Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Jackie Weaver, Carrie Coon, Robert Duvall, and Liam Neeson. What's it about, Toph? Farrell cast. It's pretty rockin' cast. So right at the beginning of the film, a lot of the men you've just mentioned, bang, 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 you're dead yep. while doing a job. Uh, uh, we should clarify, they are thieves. That kind of job. That kind of job. They're not like construction workers and, and a building collapse. I forget that, I forget that you're not as from the street as I am. <laughs> so, so in your head, when someone says a job, you immediately think of, of a crime. If you'd gone to my primary school. <laughs> Sad thing is, it's true. <laughs> after this um, crew, after this crew <laughs> has been killed. Searching for your hood lingo, are you? I don't, <laughs> like I said, I did some drinking on the weekend. Um after this crew has been killed, the debt of the money they've stolen in the estimation of the victim of this mm-hmm. crime mm-hmm. falls to the widows. Well, not all the widows. I mean, she drags the rest of them into it. She's a she bad sure does. <laughs> it is kind of initially it falls to Viola Davis's character, and she's like, "Well, I ain't copping this by myself." <laughs> and she drags the other widows into it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? So I was, um, yeah. Big, big McQueen fan coming into this. Hunger, fantastic. Shame for not. Shame was probably my favourite film of the year it came out. Yeah. It's a phenomenal film. Twelve Years a Slave, very good. Not in in. I wouldn't say best picture good, but look, I still liked it. So with this re- going in, what what I was thinking of was I really want this film, and for me to be happy with it, really, it's going to need to be more Sicario than Soldado. Yeah. It's closer to Soldado. Definitely. I'm really, I, w- I was concerned about this because I thought we were going to have a, a huge disagreement this week because I know you're a fan. I know you're hoping to love it. I thought you were going to love it. This film to me is an example of a really, really, really well-made film that's just not that good. It's funny. They, um, I, di- I didn't know until just last week that it was based off this miniseries from 83. Mm-hmm. And I think I read that the, the original cut of this film- was if it wasn't three hours, it was close to it. Jesus. Doesn't surprise me at all because with the amount of characters you're trying to service- Yeah. I feel like either, when, when you hear it's a miniseries originally, you're like, that makes a lot of sense. Remake it as a miniseries. Because there's a lot to cover here with all yeah. these characters. Or if it's going to be a film, I think you do need to just go all the way, like with an, another sprawling crime saga that came to mind, Heat. Yeah. Like, yeah, just go for it. Have it be fucking three hours long. Yeah. And just explore the shit out of these characters. Because even in Heat, other than the two lead characters, you get into Val Kilmer's character a bit, but you don't even go that deep into him. So you're trying to go deeper into all these characters in these films. And, and you don't scratch the surface of you any You just of them. can't get deep enough. Even Viola Davis, who is the lead character that you spend not even arguably the most amount of time with- I feel like she's barely fleshed out. And I'm completely happy with the performances. Oh, see, the performances are fantastic across the board. Like, I think the standout for me is Daniel Kaluuya. Like we said, the, the cast is stacked. Yeah. Kaluuya is fantastic. He rocks this role. And I think that he was by- f- People are talking about Viola Davis. I feel like her character wasn't fleshed out enough for me to even feel her performance to that level. Kaluuya smashed it. He was a gun in this role. I loved his work. Yeah. Let's say you've watched Black Panther and Get Out, and that's yeah. your Daniel Kaluuya to this point, which for a lot of people, probably the case. 
uh, I dare say it is for me. Yeah, I, I think it is for me. And now every every time we're seeing him, and yeah, like I say, every time, we're only up to like three for a lot of us, just how talented is Daniel Kaluuya? Like you said, the the main character is, is Viola Davis, and Viola Davis is great because Viola Davis is great. Like I was trying, I was thinking, how would I sum up how highly I rate Viola Davis? Yeah. And I was like, well, she was still good in Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good Viola Davis is. I forgot she was in that. Who is she? She's the one who gets the squad together. The one who the one who has the poor job of reading out the narration of introducing them. Yeah, not a and great And then had the, the post credit scene with Ben Affleck. <laughs> well, Affleck is great in everything. <laughs> but <laughs> he was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Vela Davis, yep, really good, liked liked her performance. And I think for me, either Viola Davis is your main character and she's what this film is about, or this film needs to be bigger than it is. The other widows, Elizabeth Debicki and Michelle Rodriguez, are so unfleshed out that I, w- I would rather not spend any solo time with them. I think in particular, Rodriguez. In particular, all we see of her is her dress shop. And that's, you know nothing about her other than she's got kids and a babysitter. And her, mo- her mother-in-law sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that is it. Yeah, Tabiki we get a bit more into. A little bit. I, th- I feel like this film is trying to throw too much at the wall and just seeing what sticks. You know, you've got a lot of com- commentary on race and a lot of commentary on all this kind of stuff. And none of it really lands for me. Like, the race stuff, I get through Kaluuya. I don't think I needed the subplot with Viola Davis's kid being murdered because to me that adds so little to the story and it doesn't add any depth to her character that it just shouldn't have been there. Yeah, I was okay. I was completely okay knowing that they had a child. Yeah. Viola Davis and Liam Neeson for anyone who hasn't seen it yet and is just like listening to this for spoilers or (laughs) something. Um, Knowing that they had a child works for me, particularly when it comes to the relationship then with Carrie Coons character yeah again though that was so out that just shouldn't have been there to me <laughs> yeah I'm like i mean i fucking love carrie coon yeah i'm like oh i'm like i knew she was in the movie you see, i mean and then one she's seen isn't it she's well she meets her once and then she goes to her house the dead son it does it works for me in in context for those characters and their relationship but the later scene that i think you're talking about where we actually flash back the to flashbacks it, it's well done I mean, the entire film is well done. That bit of that element of like rampant police brutality, like it's well done. It's a shot. Like you don't see that coming, but it just doesn't add anything. I like that McQueen goes for it. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this story with these characters and blah, blah, blah. But I'm also, there's going to be social commentary there. Like, great. But it just doesn't get serviced enough. Yeah, and to, I guess the thing for me is, too, we're in such a golden age of television, and you look at things that are working so well as limited series, like look at Fargo and you know, season one of True Detective, for example, and I look at this and I go, why not just make this a series where you can fit all that stuff in? You could have an entire episode that is just showing their history. You can have an episode dedicated to Michelle Rodriguez, like rather than give her- 15 minutes in this film where you get nothing from her that's my kind of feeling is why not just do that mm. and it wouldn't shock if if that stuff was in the script and got shot yeah. and was part of that initial cut yeah which now i really want to see yeah but before we get like too down on the movie let me say this i enjoyed it i think i did i le- this was one of those movies where i walked out and it took me a day or two before i knew which side of the fence i was on i knew it wasn't middle ground but i didn't know whether i thought it was bad or good mm. 
and I think I think the good elements do outweigh the bad elements. But it's not enough for me that I would say to Joe Blow off the street, you got to go see this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't, it's not a recommend from me. For me, sounding reasonably down on it is really stemming from the fact that- You had high my, expectations. The, the bar I set for both director, writer, and cast is really high. And they didn't completely fuck the jump. They just didn't clear the bar for me. Yeah. I think the issue for me is around the, the structure and the story itself, I think. Going back to that scene with Carrie Coombe, how did you feel? Like, I feel like the Liam Neeson reveal was botched. Like, was that supposed to be a reveal that, oh, he's still alive? Or are we supposed to get that at the end when he appears out of nowhere? What is his end game? There was no motivation for so much of what happened in this film. I liked the scene up until she opened the door. Yes, so, Viola Davis knows at this point. Yeah. And if you've caught on at that point, as I think you're meant to- Yeah, because- yeah. Good, good for you. Yeah, but it is, and it even is if kind you, of hidden up until it, that it point. It is. You see his flask, but there could be other reasons for it Ex- to be there. Exactly. Maybe it's just raising suspicions kind of thing. Yeah. So, even if even if you're not convinced as, an, as a viewer at that point, you're still going to find out later on. Yeah. So- I, I I didn't love the the reveal of no. him at that point. I feel like that was a huge mistake because then there is no weight to the rest of the movie. When he does reveal himself at the warehouse, you're like, yeah, we knew he was alive. What, we know. Why is this a reveal? And, and what is his? What are all of the characters' motivations at this point? If she knows he's alive, why is she still going ahead with this heist? What what is his plan? Why did he give her the notebook to fill out the heist? Is he planning to kill her at the end there? Well, I suppose from her point of view, she can't just go back to Daniel Kaluuya and say, hey, Harry's still alive. Why not? Because he'll say bullshit and kill her. No. <laughs> I, th- I think she's got to- if, sh- if she gave an address where she knows where he is- Do you reckon Harry's still there or has he now gone, shit, she knows I'm here? He's clearly still I'm there. I'm getting out of Dodge. Harry is an idiot. Harry's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm okay I'm okay with her still going through it yeah. through with the job cuz I don't think Daniel Kaluuya would would buy it or be interested. He'd be like whatever, give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll shoot you like I shot that guy in the gym. That was That was the best scene in the film. Blooded. That was the best scene in the film. That was so well executed. There are some really great one-shot takes in this in this. That was one of them where the camera moves around the gym while they're rapping and out of nowhere out comes that gun. Bang. The other great one was when uh, when Colin Farrell and his assistant are driving from one location to another on their campaign trail. And you just have the one shot of the outside of the car. And you can't even see them in the car. But it is so well done. It- and that's one of the, like, with the social commentary in the film, that what, that one shot's great. for that. He starts Absolutely. off with this really, you know, run down part of town. Yeah, I'm helping out the people. Gets in the car and in one shot winds back up at his house, which could be in another state. Yep. It's so different. Yeah. And his life is so different from these people who he's pretending to be looking out for. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a great shot. And that's the thing. There are elements of that there that really work for me, but I just feel like there's too much here trying to bubble up. Steve McQueen loves a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> loves he? it. And not necessarily in the- in the way you think of a oneer that, like maybe Alfonso Cuarón, with stuff he's done with Chivo, like in Children of Men, of course, yep. not necessarily in that like big elaborate one shot kind of way. Normally, McQueen is sick for just locking off the camera, yeah, and yep. letting stuff play out. Um, have you heard about the shot in Hunger? No, there's a shot in Hunger which is seventeen and a half minutes long. Wow, Fassbender talking to that's to pretty a, cool to a person visiting him. 
in in prison. Seven day. The scene is like 22, 23 minutes. That's got to be one of the longest in history. It's wicked long. Yeah, one of the longest I've seen is in Punch Drunk Love, the scene where Adam Sandler is whacking off on the telephone. That's a very long one shot. Yeah, I haven't seen Punch Drunk Love since the movies. I very much enjoy that. I should watch again. It's a good yeah, movie. It's a good one. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, the one shots have so understated, but just it's very, very good, smart execution. And it's those elements that are really good at progressing story. And then sadly, I feel it's the script and the structure that lets that down a bit. It'd be interesting to know what percentage of writing is Flynn and what's McQueen. Yeah. Well, I did notice that in the credits, McQueen isn't credited as a writer. My understanding of the WGA rules is you need to write at least a third to be credited. Okay. So it must be less than that. So it could be as little as consulting, maybe a rewrite. I don't know. I think I did read somewhere that Colin Farrell and Robert Duvall did a lot of improvisation. Yeah, right. For their scenes as well. Um, I liked their their relationship. Duvall just playing a dick. Yeah, he he was another true standout in the film, I think. And those scenes really worked for me, that father-son dynamic. Yeah, it's like, Far- I mean, Farrell's a dick. And he's- but- <laughs> Farrell just looks like sleaze. You can see where it comes from. <laughs> like, Farrell has always looked like sleaze to me. I really like him, and yet I look at him and I'm like, you look like a sleazy dude. <laughs> so, he was fantastic casting. And yeah, Robert Duvall was wonderful as his dad, as, yeah. as the spawn of this disgusting Weasley- Politician. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Duvall was gross. Yeah. He did it so well, I thought. I really liked um, Cynthia Erivo. I thought she was the best thing about Bad Times at the El Royale recently. Like, one scene in particular in that film, she's just like, holy shit. Like, that that film was enjoyable enough, I thought. Yeah. There's this one scene with her, it's like, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> that's so good. Um, and I liked her in this. You know, she comes in kind of halfway through the film-ish once we've already met Everyone else. Yeah. Um, and she was great. Most of the cast, I mean, on the rest of the cast, it's really nice to see Giants getting work again because I don't think we've had that since Andre. But yeah, it's good to see Elizabeth Debicki being allowed to, to work in film. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I loved her. I think she's amazing. I think she's so great. She just looks a little out of place to me because she, it's, it's more that the other actors are short because, yeah, she's a tall woman. She's tall. She's like six foot three, I think. Everyone else is so short that she's two heads above everyone, even extras. There's some scenes of her in a bar, and she is so striking, and and maybe that's the point. I think that is the point, but it, particularly in that scene. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, Jesus, she's just- All right, so do you think it's weird seeing Liam Neeson on camera? Because Liam Neeson is taller than Elizabeth Debicki, so do you feel the same way about Liam Neeson? But they have no scenes together. But no, no, do you feel like that it's weird seeing Liam Neeson on camera? No, no, no. Because he's taller than Elizabeth Debicki. So, the, the question really, Billy, is do you just find tall women weird? <laughs> no, again, because it's not about her being tall. It's about the rest of the cast being so short. Yeah, but what about when those characters are in scenes with Liam Neeson? Liam Neeson has no scenes with any other characters okay, in this film. Viola Davis is on screen with both of them. I, Viola Davis had barely has a scene with Liam Neeson. The majority of the times you see them, they're laying down in beds and they're face-to-face. No, I'm, I'm having a serious discussion here. The majority of the times you see them, they're face-to-face in bed. They only have one scene where they're standing up together, which is at the end in the warehouse, where he is such a distance away that you cannot see the height correlation. So do you have to fast-forward when Brienne of Tarth 
has scenes in Game of Thrones. I love Brienne Tarth. I have nothing against <laughs> tall women. You're missing the point. I feel like in this role, she looked so. She just looked out of place. You know what I mean? No, I don't. But that's fine. <laughs> and also, it's it's hard to buy her as a widow. The rest of the widows are forty plus. And then you've got her, who's like what twenty three. It, it felt a little like strange casting to me, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You find it weird that a guy would marry Elizabeth Debicki? No, but Jackie <laughs> Weaver, who's her mum, is like, what, 60 plus? Are we meant to believe that Jackie Weaver had her at like 40 years old? Sure. I don't know, I don't man. care. I don't know. I just feel like casting-wise, it was a very strange choice. Love Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver's fast becoming my favourite problematic mum in cinema. Yeah, it's she's fantastic. Like she's the kind of you almost want to call her a character actress because she is often a very but it's always the same character, so it's hard to call her. Oh, a character that's actress. I think that is insulting to the talents of Jackie Weaver. I love Jackie Weaver, and I'm glad to see Jackie Weaver getting out and about and outside of Australia and stuff. But think of the last five roles she's had. She's played this mum, <laughs> but they like her in Animal Kingdom. Who's horrible mum? Yeah, they're really different characters. No, they are different, but they're just I horrible think, mums. I think what I'm saying is more of a a comment on this film and how underfleshed out characters are. Because Jackie, but, oh, she has, really is. A she has character. two scenes in this film. She, like, I've got no beef with not, with her not being more fleshed out because she really is a side character. But again, to the point where I don't actually understand why she's there. Because their scenes are great, and Jackie Weaver's great. I don't unlike see the the Colin Farrell Robert Duvall stuff develops Colin Farrell's character. I don't feel like Jackie Weaver's character really shows us anything extra about Elizabeth Debicki that we don't get through the rest really? of the Really? Yeah. Jeez, we were watching different scenes. What did you get? Exactly what you're talking about. The fleshing out in the background of Debicki's character. I, I'm, I didn't feel it. I didn't get it. Okay. So, tall men are okay. Scenes between <laughs> so- husbands, between fathers and sons are okay. Interesting. <laughs> So overall, it sounds like we're both pretty lukewarm on it. What are you going with for a final score? If I could give it, if we did half points, yep. I would be a six and a half. I think yesterday I was teetering to a seven. I think today I've fallen back to a six. I've been teetering to a five, and I've gone up to a six. Yeah, so I'm so, like I'm, I'm I'm I liked it. I'm positive on the film. Yeah, um, it's just that look. I think there are some f- fantastic elements. I'm happy to watch it just to see the acting on screen. I think. The actors do such a fantastic job in this film. It's shot and executed really well. I just don't think it's that good of a film, which is what's it makes me kind of sad about it because when you look at the talent that's gone into it, I feel like it could have been better. You know what it reminded me of was, did you see from a few years ago a film called Triple Nine? No. So it was this it was this like cops and robbers shoot 'em up thing. It was directed by John Hillcoat, Australian director, friend of the podcast, obviously, um, who had done the Proposition, like one of my absolute favourite films of the century so far, and the film adaptation of The Road, which, yeah, right. again, I really liked. Yeah. And then I saw this trailer for this John Hillcoat film that was that looked like just a, a shoot 'em up And I'm like, that, well, that's fine because it'll be it's, – it's John Hillcoat, so it'll be more than that. Yeah. And it wasn't. And I was yeah. like, oh. And I, I, I liked this more than Triple Nine, but it was just that, oh, okay – yeah, I mean, I think I liked this more than Soldado. When you made that comparison earlier. Yeah, same. And I think this this definitely at least has more to say than that. But that's kind of my problem with it is it's trying to say too much and it should have made a decision one way or the other as to what it was and what it wanted to be. And if it wanted to just be a fun heist movie, just just be that. Yeah, that's and fine. And I'm glad that's not what it is. That's fine. But then you don't need Steve McQueen. Yes, exactly. Um, so going back to what I was saying earlier, 
I think this is, bet- for me, it's between Sicario and Soldado, yeah. but cl- probably closer to Soldado. Yeah. Which, again, a film that I enjoyed watching. Yes. Just not great. We both enjoyed it. Just yeah. not great. I mean, I, if you were interested in seeing this movie anyway, if you'd seen the trailers, I would say go see it. I feel like the trailer is a fair representation of this film. Yeah, for sure. So if you liked the trailer, you'll probably like the movie. If you're expecting more, you probably won't like the movie. And if you haven't seen Shame, go watch Shame. What year was it from? Good question. My, I would guess like 2011. Okay, so I don't need to watch it till 2021 then when we do our best of 2011 show. Sure, yeah. Whoever you're doing the podcast with it. <laughs> Well, because you'll be married to Elizabeth Debicki, so, so you won't be here. Of course, I'll be, I'll be on set, <laughs> being another tall person in scenes, so she looks normal. Just so she looks normal. Yeah. <laughs> shame. I just like I, seriously. I can't talk highly enough about Shame. Okay. It's not a date movie. Like yeah. it, it's not fun. It's not fun. That and Hunger. That and Hunger are less fun than Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! It's amazing. I will check it out. I'll give you my word. You should do it as a throwback episode one week. Then I have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're getting in the ring. Yes, we are. Adrian. Fisty cuffs all around <laughs> for Creed 2. Creed 2. I think that'll be good fun. Mm. I have high hopes. We might have a guest. We may. We're, Beth- not prom- we're not promising anything. Yeah. But Beth may be joining us. Beth might be loitering near we'll a mic. See. All depends on timing. And whether we let her in the house. <laughs> I think you and I were both on the same page that we were lukewarm on Creed. Like, it was it was fine. The, the thing was that by the time, and I think we're both in the same boat here as well, by the time we, like, didn't see it at the movies, by the time we got to it, yeah. people had been going crazy over it. And I was like- Oh, yeah, that was fine. I only saw it this year, actually, and it was Beth. Beth was like, let's watch Creed. You're going to love it. She like, she was hugely hyped on it. So we sat down in the theater together and watched it. And, yeah, I was like, it, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. All right, cool. That should be fun. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, throw a few dollars at us. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing. Make us watch a one-week film. (laughs) Ten days, man. Ten days. (laughs) And in the meantime, go watch a movie. See ya. Yabba dabba do. No, nah, you're gonna have to go again. <laughs> no, no, I'm not having doing yabba dabba do. Not having that. <laughs> what, what, what will you have? What is the most just, amount of excitement I can bring? Just talk like a human.